you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Around the NFL Podcast. Never slide into the DMs. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I am joined in a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I... Well, this happened a lot, obviously, during uh, Wes's successful uh, war against cancer. But I can't remember. It's been war. a while since the uh, the three amigos in the room have been together here. How is everybody? Is that what we're calling ourselves? That's our name? Why not? It's fine. Three amigos. It Bring feels it a little... Um it's definitely like we're sounding a little too excited that Wes is. It's here. definitely like a popular dad movie, you know, and we're a bunch of dads. Uh-huh. I think it's a little before our time, but speaking of being a bunch of dads, and Ricky, you brought it up right before we started. So the Shield came back on Wednesday. Should let you guys know that we are one and zero at twenty three to twelve. Conquest over Dollar Taco played more like fifty cent taco. Yikes! Nailed it. Um, and very sore right now. My body's sore. I am aging. I'm almost 39 now. Uh, Ricky, though, makes me feel better because young Erica Tamposi also feeling some aches and pains from the opener. I am, yeah. yeah. It's also just muscles you haven't used in a long, long, long time. Different muscles. So it's like I was getting out of my car and I like lifted my leg to you know swing out of my car and like the <laughs> top of my thighs. I was like, what the? <laughs> I, li- I like how you describe that you swing your leg out of like you have a prosthetic or something. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's sprinting. You know, you're not doing a lot of sprinting in regular life. And when you score 23 days. runs, there's a lot, a lot of, of running around the bases. A lot of sprinting. Right. Is that your biggest romp of all time? Uh, we've had games where we've put up runs like that. But it was a nice way to start the season. A lot of people – West played great. Uh, in fact, hit a home run uh, and got on base, as he always does. We, uh, we really hit the ball, ball well. Fielded pretty well. And the pitching by uh, Brooke was – Always good, as always. Um, uh, and there's one issue, and we're going to get to it at the end of the show. Mm. Right. And it's Outside not- of Dollar Taco being in, in your league to begin with. Are you in? Right. Are you even in the same league that you were in last time? We are in the same okay. league, yes. It seemed very suspect. Uh, they are a new team, and they have some hitters, but we took care of business. We There is some unfortunate 
softball-related shield matters that we will hit at the end of the show. I'll just leave it there. Not everything was good hmm. on Wednesday night. Just like a little tease, let's just say that in this situation, Mark Sessler is not a, a Ted Thompson-like character falling asleep during meetings. No. He's on no. top of things. Mark no, we wide awake sleep. and ready to pounce. Uh, coming up on today's show, yes, the mailbag. We haven't opened it up in a few weeks, so uh, we reached out to our wonderful wonderful listeners of the podcast, and you guys hit us up with a bunch of questions, so we'll uh, answer some of those. But let's start with the news and yes, the big news of the week in what's been a slow week in the NFL. Well, good job by Bleacher Report and Tyler Dunn because they picked the perfect time to drop a bombshell about the Green Bay Packers. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole f-ing thing. Now that's leadership. That's that's Tom Berenger from Major League. That's what you want in a locker room. That's what the the Shield has. We have expert leadership at top, up up at the top. Um, what about in the Packers locker room? Jake Taylor, his name was in Major League. Hmm. Great movie. Um, the Packers Bleacher Report dropped a long, long, long study of what went on behind the scenes, the downfall. Uh, if an overall thesis, what was the thesis of this piece uh, by Tyler Dunn? The downfall of the Packers, the relationship between Mike McCarthy, Packers coach who got fired last December, Aaron Rodgers, and the overall feeling of a huge missed opportunity. What could have been a dynasty wasn't. Why was it the case? And uh, Mark, we'll start with you here. There's the, the two principal characters here. Neither come off looking well. It, McCarthy, who comes off as a guy who got complacent and lazy and misguided about why the team was successful, uh, right down to missing meetings to get massages, which he categorically denies. And then Aaron Rodgers, a superstar uh, who does not know how to get along with other people, who is petulant, who is sensitive, and the Packers could not be functional with these two people at the center of the action. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those articles where suddenly Tyler Dunn does all the work. He uses every single beat source, uh, you know, avenue that he has. Used to be a Packers beat writer. He was in the past, puts it out there, and then you get everyone else commenting on it and wanting to get their tweets about his story liked and retweeted because it's one of those things that just takes off and everyone has a point of view. It is a football story. To me, the skeleton of it is about football to some degree, but it, fu- it fit much more in like psychology today because it's about football to one degree, but it really was the study, and it said in the article, it, it was well stated, an arranged marriage that went totally south, basically. And I came out of it just fascinated to read how honest some of the sources got with him about what was going on behind the scenes. And I, I, I look at Aaron Rodgers... I don't know if I look at him differently because I think even on this show, we've always recognized that Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of an extra character, a little bit of a different dude. And to me, this was, it, it clarified some of the stuff about Rodgers that separates him a little bit from a Tom Brady. I look at him as someone who has been a chip on the shoulder type quarterback, which can be used in a well, in a very good way. And he has, but the mirror of that 
is I feel there's a beeline of an element of him where he takes a grudge and he holds on to it for a decade plus. I mean, we heard that he essentially had a grudge against Mike McCarthy from the minute they were put together because Mike McCarthy with the Niners favored Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. We all know about the draft day sit and wait for the Packers quarterback, and that it never really got a whole lot better. And the, the thing that bothered me a little bit, and there's so much to get into here, was the immense amount of backbiting and backstabbing that happened from quarterback towards coach in this, and also the coaching losing his, essentially, according to this article, his zeal to lead the team down the stretch. Well, I think Rodgers never... <laughs> based on this article, fully bought into McCarthy's coaching, yeah. that he was ultimately a helpful person in his career. And that's a tough... <laughs> t- t- he thought he was smarter than Mike McCarthy. I mean, he, he yep. probably is. I mean, I, I I don't think many people would doubt that. Um, but the, the fact that that relationship was so toxic throughout is is a shame. I mean, it, it's, it's a bummer. And my immediate thought reading this, and they hit on it towards the end, is like the Packers struggled here because they don't have an owner. They're in a unique spot. Now, now there's a lot of NFL owners out there that maybe wouldn't have uh, the ability or the gravitas or the wherewithal to step in and fix this situation anyways. But the Packers literally don't have an owner. But they had a president. They did. But even even during a lot of this, especially early on, that president figure, Mark Murphy, was not as powerful and not as upfront as he is now. That's that position has taken some transition over the years. They did have a general manager, and so maybe it was on Ted Thompson uh, to step in because ultimately McCarthy, I think, you know, some of the things that stuck out to me was McCarthy had to understand that his relationship with Rodgers was the most important thing, and he never was able to address that, and ultimately Rodgers was never going anywhere. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. So if this is the problem, like that needed to be addressed quicker. Either it's sitting them, the two of them down or it's getting rid of McCarthy quicker. I mean, it, do, it does remind you about the NFC Championship in 2015 that not only did he run the ball three straight times before punting it back to the Seahawks and mm. not, not cut Brandon Bostic, uh, but he kicked field goals on the one-yard line two different times. And it's, and it's just like a reminder of like, that's the type of thing that drove Aaron Rodgers, I think, crazy over the years. I think there's a lot of different ways to view how the Aaron Rodgers comes off, but there's not as many different ways to view uh, how McCarthy comes off. It's crazy to think that, you know, the Jets were reportedly interested in Mike McCarthy. There was whispers that Cleveland was that if you were a team right now saddled with Mike McCarthy and this article came out, as a fan, you'd be concerned because he comes across as someone that, to your point, Greg, the fact that he was stuck around for so long, almost immediately outmoded as a strategist. That the big article, the big, it seemed like there were factions in this article. The way there are when these yes. things come out, where there were certain Mike McCarthy people who had issues with Aaron Rodgers, the person, and then there were others who felt like it said that people sympathize with Aaron Rodgers for being stuck in an offense that never evolved. Well, people around changed. the league have been talking about that for years. That right. they're, they're the most predictable kind of basic. And not, Wes, who not, is not here, would not love a, to be because he's yeah. been calling them out for not adjusting seasons. type offense, so that you can 
can watch that and you can see that. Then again, you also, you know, the stuff about Rogers doesn't mean it's not true. Like you've heard, you've heard a lot of stories behind the scenes. Like he'll, someone will write something early on in their days as a beat writer of the Packers that Rogers didn't like. And he won't speak to them for the rest of their time there in Green Bay. So like that's, that's part of it. And I think a voice like James Jones, who works for our network and immediately kind of came out and was like, that's not the Aaron Rodgers I know. Like the, the one I know, like a hundred percent is a leader that we followed that like we, we like that relationship. It does not seem like Aaron Rodgers is necessarily a guy that's going to get everyone on the same page. But I think if he respects you, there's a lot of people that, that have no problem with Aaron Rodgers. Well, the strongest voice in this I thought was Ryan Grant. And he came out hard on Rodgers. But Ryan Grant has not been with the team for a half a decade plus. I think with why articles like this are so great is this is all stuff that's been kind of under the radar and people that were close to it all knew. And I think that's why Mike McCarthy, for instance, the Jets uh, interviewed him but never gave him any uh, serious uh, thought from what I heard behind the scenes. Nobody else really took interest in him because this was all stuff that was out there, like Mm -hmm. within football circles, that McCarthy had lost his zeal, that he kind of had lost the respect of Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers, to me, is the thing that I took the most interest in out of this. And quite frankly, it was disappointing to read a lot of the the things about uh, his inability to connect with the young players, how, how hard he, he rode um, young players as young wide receivers, the, the, the way people are scratching their heads, like how can he just cut people out of his life and not ever think about there's no kind of going back once you do that. He, he has no relationship with his own family. Mike McCarthy, and it's a uh, obviously not a great relationship that they ever had, going back to, for some reason, Rodgers put it on McCarthy that the Niners you know picked Alex Smith ahead of him. That Mike McCarthy preferred Alex Smith. Like that he, I mean, listen, that was just a football decision, he, but he kept that with him. Mike McCarthy tried to have a dinner and and tell Aaron, like maybe, you know, reach out to your mom and Aaron Rodgers was not having any of it. And there is two sides of the story and it's good to hear guys like James Jones who say the other, uh, the other side that this guy was a leader, but you hear a lot here. There's a lot of smoke here that I buy into that Rodgers is a major problem, that why they haven't won the Super Bowl since 2010. And I do worry about and we and we briefly spoke. We did an interview with Matt Lafleur at the owners' meetings. He was not consulted, Rogers, before Lafleur was hired. I don't know if that was a smart move, honestly, internally with that organization. The way what they know about Rogers, and I and he's around the same age as Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers thought he was smarter than Mike McCarthy, an elder uh, who had been in the league a long time, I wonder how that relationship is going to go with a young young guy, a first year coach. It's a dicey situation. Well, they said – I found it interesting. It's like Rodgers is the type that wants to be challenged on some level that felt – they felt – you know, the part where – Mike McCarthy felt threatened by Alex Van Pelt, who had a relationship, you know, quarterbacks coach, which a lot of people thought highly of. You could sort of see that even in the way that McCarthy talked and carried himself, that he got his own ego involved there. And I think Rodgers is going to want a coach that he feels like is adding to him. And he probably never felt that with McCarthy. And And whether that's right or wrong, like... I don't know. The organization to me would have had to step up, but you, you do wonder because some of these rookies you're talking about, they're still on the team. Like the part about Equinemius St. Brown and uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, getting frozen out for, di- you know, or struggling with not knowing what to do because should I listen to Rogers and run the route that he wants me to run caught in the middle, or should I listen to the coach? And or, that's on Aaron Rodgers. Should, should I cover for the right? Ro- and yes, that's that, a yeah, terrible, yep. terrible look for Aaron Rodgers that he would put these young guys in that position where you can't win either way. And if you're a young guy trying to establish yourself in the league, like you got to know better. You got to be a better leader than that. That said, like, you know, Tom Brady's certainly run off like 
a, a million wide receivers over the league, you know, over the years on New England that couldn't get up to speed, but, including a lot of young ones. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying that's part of, it, it's tricky. You got to, you got to find the right line, but like that's part of being a quarterback on some level. I think the difference with the young receivers in Green Bay being caught in the middle of coaches' demands and the idea that they talk about Aaron Rodgers when you're out, you're out with him. And that means on the field, potentially. That yeah. means off the field. That's pure dysfunction, and it's kind of just beguiling that this relationship lasted as long as it Right, that's what I mean. That's why the ownership thing was the first thing that came to my mind was like, wow, this went on for way too long, and you can put some fault on Rodgers or or not. You know, obviously he has some of it, but either way, like someone had to be stepping. He was changing a third of the plays by last year. That's crazy. And they weren't working. I mean, how brutal. If McCarthy read this, this is one where it's like they say don't read it. It's like I hope – Mike McCarthy didn't read this because it would be brutal. Like, it, like his low football IQ was right. was questioned a few times, uh, and I don't know if anyone is like standing on a table and and backing him. And the part where they're like, Rogers is kind of turned into Favre, which is like the thing he didn't want to be, was, right. is really in, you know kind of fascinating and interesting. I thought the kicker in this article was near the end, and you kept thinking it was going to come to the end, and then there was another chunky, large anecdote coming at you. But when Mark Murphy basically pulled yes. Aaron Rodgers aside when Matt LaFleur was hired without phone, Aaron yes. Rodgers' consultant say, do not get in the way. You do, do not, not be get in problem. the way this time. Do, do not that, be the problem. problem that was kind of quite, the most breathtaking moment of the You know the whole that thing. is, by the way? La Raville Magnifique. Yeah, it is. I mean, that he that is such a concern. Like, because Rodgers has the power to blow everything up. He's so powerful in that organization, perhaps too powerful. And I wonder. Greg, I guess, like, but I, I would I would say to that, Mark Murphy, you should have said that years oh yeah. ago. Or had, a, had For sure. I, I don't know. It's a tricky thing. Like, literally back in the day, it was very confusing who was even running the Packers. And eventually it sort of turned into Murphy. Like, I don't know. The whole I just thing. feel like Ted Thompson, who is, you know, deep out of the picture at this point, he did not come across well at all because I, he's obviously on the attached and physically unwell. Yeah, and like the modern day fan is like, please be active in free agency. And I think there there was voices within the organization saying, please build a team around what should be a team going to the Super Bowl. Please add right. add parts. And they talk about him falling asleep in means. I think the thing is with the NFL, the more you hear the stuff that we we don't hear as much as certain people, obviously, but when you hear little anecdotes that you can never go to air with. Some of them are stunning, and you're just like, wait a minute, this is the most <laughs> human business because some of the F-ups behind the scenes and the infighting and the lack of responsibility and accountability, and it came forth in this article for multiple people. And, and the massage you know, story, I even he put, you know, the writer Tyler Dunn cast some doubt about that, but I think he made a good point putting out, like the point was that the team, that there were large sections of the team that believed that. Whether it, was, whether it was true or not, whether that happened one time that he was getting the massage, the fact that large sections of the team believe that, I don't know. I'm still, I guess I'm an Aaron Rodgers, you know, fan ultimately. And yes, this is disappointing, but I do just wish there was like another world where he had a strong offensive coach in mind that he respected, that he played with previously, and that Matt LaFleur is that guy, because we'll, we'll have to see if Matt LaFleur is that guy. We'll like, see. Packers fans have had it really easy. I've always killed him for that, that you've gone from Favre to Rodgers. It's been one thing. But if you read this, I have feel for Packers fans, because it really feels like two or three Super Bowl rings were lost in the mix here. And it's kind of like when Aaron Rodgers is telling Greg Jennings after speaking to Carlos Rogers about, you know, this is probably my contract year. And, and Aaron Rodgers simply saying, 
go. Get out of here. You're not coming back. And like, you're done with him. When you're done with him, you're done. That's it. There's a good side to that maybe, but there's definitely a negative when he's your team leader and the, and the sun that everyone orbits around. I, my final thought spinning forward is I just wonder, based on what you read in that article and, and the general feeling around Aaron Rodgers circa 2019, he says he wants to be challenged. He says he needs somebody or, or that that's how he would work best, how this team would work best. I'm not convinced he actually does want to be challenged by somebody. I, I get the feeling that Aaron Rodgers might just be a guy who says, this is my world, this is my team, and he's going to have a hard time respecting anyone. It sounds like some coaches over the years have... Good luck, have, Matt LaFleur. See, that's the thing, though. Like, I, It sounds like some coaches over the years have. I really believe that he would because I, I think he wants to be great, but that he would need a great coach. And uh, just like your run-of-the-mill average NFL coach, that's maybe that's not going to be enough, you know, to be able to deal with him. Aaron Rodgers now, read this, right? Well, I would imagine someone has briefed him. Because I mean, I think he seems to be plugged in. On I feel any like critique. he might have read it ten times by now. I think it's safe to say the Dunn family is off like his Christmas card distribution <laughs> list. It's not getting a lot of like one-on-one time with Rodgers. Do we finally forward. trust my Green Baydar that was buzzing? For large sections of last season and the season previous. Well, you never really what said what it was. It was, had nothing to do with this. You just I, didn't like that they were in prime time a lot. That, I wasn't just, that what it was? Something about the whole Green Bay Packers experience. Obviously, <laughs> are you saying it has not been in my radar? Well, it's funny. Has been. And when I read this, I thought, oh yeah. This you is just, like one you of just your, thought they had it too. No, too this is like good. one of your like prop bets that you almost get right, but then since you're in the same area, you say, I got I, this. I, well, there I, is I one thing about Aaron Rodgers. And like, then everyone, all the Sessler minions are like, yeah, yeah, he did it. He did it. Give it to him. No, the one thing all about right, Aaron Rodgers, it's it. like Aaron Rodgers, it's like he's the guy that you send out a billion gifts a week about how he's so technically brilliant and beautiful. And look at this pass he threw behind his back and it completed <laughs> for 15 yards. But there is an argument. We've talked about it in and out the podcast. There's always been some little bit of a chip missing or something that makes him a <laughs> well, little bit of a different experience. Sure. This clarified something. Well, they, the article if it's also, all accurate. which we know, but he is regarded almost like you cast it off as an aside as the most physically gifted quarterback to ever play football. And he's miserable. But and that makes him kind of fascinating, to be honest. That's like me. that's like the billionaire who's but miserable. He, you know, Nothing will make him happy. It, you know how it kind of remind you know made me think of Dan Marino because I think a lot you know Dan Marino there weren't as many you know blog you know there weren't blogs or there wasn't Twitter or anything. This definitely was, weren't blogs, right? This was a very you know similar narrative around Dan Marino in a lot of ways, different in some ways, uh, obviously with the coaches and everything, but in terms of the talent and and the relationship he had with his teammates and freezing them out and never kind of like. You know, fulfilling his destiny. It reminded me. He a did lot buy of his lineman isotoner gloves. You will remember <laughs> yes. that. And another head coach who stuck around too long. Yep. During his prime years. All right. In other news, mm. I'm really excited about these uniforms from the perspective of where this organization is right now. The theme of this team is take flight. We're ready to enter a new era. Hashtag take flight, baby. Was that like a cult leader? Who, Who was, was that? that? <laughs> that sounded like uh, that was uh, David McTavish of the Church of Scientology. Okay, thank you. That's uh, a no. That was Christopher Johnson, the acting owner of oh. the Jets, who unveiled their no new uniforms. Um, David Misgivich? <laughs> something like that. Thursday in Manhattan, and uh, as you guys would expect, a lot of people on Twitter, Zeuser, what do you think? What do you, you like them? I think they're okay. I, I think uh, they certainly. They, my thoughts on uniform reveals in general 
it goes like this. There's two components involved for me. Is that in the last five, six years, uh, the teams and, and social media seized on and successfully seized on this idea that fans love this, so you're going to build it up for months and months and months. And the, the downside of that is when it gets revealed after all the buildup, it's almost always a little bit of like a, oh, that, that's all it is. So I think you have that. That works with all teams when they do this. And then you have what I call the Jets tax, which is – and everyone else gets to have fun with this. And, and as a Browns fan, you know this too, Mark. Yeah. I, but I don't get to have fun with this, but everybody else does, and I don't hate on it. It's just always better to just kill the Jets and make fun of the Jets. Uh, and that's always going to happen. So that's why I think you, there was some criticism of the jerseys. I think they're okay. I, I like the green helmet. I like that they modified the uh, logo up top. I'm not huge on the New York across the chest, but that's another thing that happened about 20 years ago. A bunch of marketers got in the ears of these uh, sports teams. The Giants did the same thing when they went back to the NY logo. And they're like, you got to you you get New York in the mix. You got to market around New York. So I think that's why they did that. The black alternate jerseys, eh, all right, whatever. That's that's just a, that's it is what it is. Those so are my favorites. I I I would give a I'd give the uniform like a B minus a B. It's not a disaster, not a home run. Curious your guys. Well, I would say like not being a disaster is a win, because as a Browns yes. fan, you lived in a uniform scenario that was a disaster for half a decade. And the one thing I the, there is the whole hoopla surrounding the uniform reveal is tedious. I liked the young team. I liked there was something about Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold out there together, and they were on Good Morning Football today. Yes. I'll say one thing. The uniforms looked a lot better on Good Morning Football. I don't know if it was the lighting on the set. My thing with uniforms is always I don't care how they look on a stage. I want to see what they look like on the field because they typically will look very different. I'm a big fan of matte finish helmets over super shiny, so I want to warm up to that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're a disaster on any level. They're totally fine for the most part, but – it was not a disaster. It could have been so much worse. I like the and helmet. The, the Browns uniforms last year, by midseason, when, when they were playing well and there was some hope, the uniforms, I, it's a psychological thing, started to look good That to makes me. sense. That it makes started sense. to look good. So th- don't worry about it. Well, yeah, inevitably, they're kind of, you know, the design is using kind of new design trends. And generally, people... Outside Especially of the Saskatchewan older. Rough Rider thing. That's what I mean, though. That's kind of what I mean. You, what I mean. Uh, I'm saying older people this, like yeah. us are going to push against it. Gotham green, yeah. spotlight white. <laughs> it's just white. And stealth black. Those are Nike uh, told the Jets I, those are new colors. I love the black. Uh, I like the helmet. And I like um, a lot of people were saying the same joke out there that it was kind of like the Tulane green Jets. So it's like if you're looking like the Tulane <laughs> green wave out there and it does look pretty much exactly like the new, or, uh, one of the new Tulane uniforms, I like it. And they, that's fine. I don't, yeah, that doesn't. Is that a bad thing? And then it was like, oh, this people love the Tulane like uniforms. Rich Cotite Jets. Well, you could pick any era outside 1969 and and say that's oh, it's a bad era for their uniforms. It's they need to start something new, and that's that's what they're trying to do. It's the whole the reboot thing. The uh, the idea of the bold new look will be a bold new direction, which the Buccaneers once upon a time actually pulled off back in the late 90s where they were terrible for 25 years, got new uniforms, and immediately became Pats Super Bowl contenders. Pats did it well, too because the, they changed with Parcells. The, the, well, the Broncos had theirs forever, and when they moved to their more current ones, they went to two Super Bowls with Elway so they, right uh, away. Maybe there is some type of connection there, and mm. the Jets will be playing in February next year. That's what I take out of it. What my take also was, uh, you know, they, they make a big deal out of it because I do remember when I was more in that boss mode, the metrics – I mean, people, 
you know, we could write like 17 are, you know, great long forms for the rest of the year. They're not going to combine to, you know, equal the amount of traffic. I, I was your uniform, uniform guy for like yeah. two seasons. They were just like, wow, the biggest articles of the year, uniforms. It was a bigger deal when I was younger, too. When Parcells took over and the first thing he did, uh, well, he took over 97, starting in the 98 year, he said, we want to call back to the Namath era. And that's when they did the reboot that the, they called it. I remember Back to the Future, I think, was their angle at that time. Um now, now it's 20 years later, and, and I get it. It's time to kind of freshen things up, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Jack and Harrison, I'm already – take my money. NFL shop, going to get some Darnold jerseys. What about the people that bought a, a Darnold jersey last year, though, and are stuck with the – it's, it's probably fine. but It's not great, though. It's a tough situation. I agree. Feel you should have known it was Feel coming. for them. Yeah, you feel. I feel like the um, – back to the uniform things, but with the Browns, I feel like they should just really embrace – and just go back to the 80s look. Is that the thing that's out I there? I believe from all hints out there, and this has gone back two years, that they realized they're, they got a little too fluffy and a little too crazy, that the overwhelming cry to make this change is, and they talked about it, it's nothing fancy essentially is the tagline. Makes sense because they are the right. Cleveland Browns. Their whole thing is that they're just simple, like this is our franchise, we're the Browns. I think they're going I, back to that yeah. and they're keeping the Brown uniforms that they leaned on heavy the the uh oh, right yes those ones is the elf going to be phased out i think the elf is going to be which is the elf has essentially been phased out for a long time outside of some end zone paint and uh you know freddie kitchen's baseball hats like i think he's going to be a big part of it it or he i don't know is an elf a he i guess it is a he probably a thing it, yeah a it. mystical creature uh a woodland creature fairy tale let's move on kirk cousins uh, this is interesting. So he is set to address um, Michigan State, his alma mater, ahead of their Final Four NCAA basketball uh, matchup against Greg. Texas Tech, I believe. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders. Uh, and um, I just want to point out, am I totally comfortable if I'm a Michigan State fan with Kirk Cousins being the guy Guys, take this thing home. I don't know if I'm comfortable with it. Mm. Throwing that out there. Higher or lower grade than the Jets uniforms? Uh, Kirk Cousins speaking to yes. Michigan State. It's pretty random. Against the new Jets uniforms. I, uh, If you're giving it the grade, Kirk Cousins being selected to address Michigan State for me is a C-. minus. People, you know, I've, I was, you know, checking around. There's divergent opinions on Kirk Cousins' pregame speeches because they have a lot of energy. Uh, he he's kind of the guy who does it for the Vikings, but sometimes they're a little weird. Remember the one last year where he was like, you know, they put us in prime time. That's because they want to see it. Like he was very excited that they like <laughs> flexed them in or something. We deserve to be flexed. Um, Get fired up. So specific. <laughs> You're not watching any of the March Madness, uh, Greg? I have not. I did see Some good games. I did see like the very end of the uh, the Duke game while while in our hotel room in Phoenix. I remember it is <laughs> the worst it. time of the year. I'm Twitter. not, um, you know, it's been not quite, hating. It's been I used quite, to be like my favorite. Good. Used to be my favorite thing, but you know, when you get older, sometimes in life, you just uh, you're like, what connection do I have to any of this? I, I'll take my time uh, doing something else. <laughs> what do you do instead <laughs> of watching uh, basketball? You know, spend time with the family, read. Overrated. Um, tennis. You know, I watch a lot of tennis. Watch a lot of tennis. Wow. Um, I actually was at a El Segundo uh, 
um, tavern, not a tavern. It's kind of more a bar and grill with an outdoor component to it. And I was watching the um, Auburn Kentucky game and a listener of the around the NFL podcast happened to be sitting right there. And he said, hello and said he was a big fan of the show. Is that the rock and roll themed place that has an outdoor section? Yes, I believe the um, it is owned by Gene Simmons and it's a nice place. I mean, there was a time there was a time. Dan is there every Saturday from twelve till three if you uh, are interested (laughs) in seeing him again. This is a time in my life, Dave, where the UConn Huskies were like my number one sports team. I remember an ex girlfriend getting mad that like I canceled on a a plan with her because I wanted to watch Big Monday. You know, big Yukon Villanova game back in the Ray Allen, I think Kerry Kittles. Did era. you recover? Did the relationship find its legs I mean, it, after that? No, not I mean it <laughs> it failed for many reasons, including that I think it was like a red flag that I would have rather, you know, watch Big Monday at that point. Ouch. Uh finally in the news, Patrick Mahomes. Guy's got a cannon. He's so gifted, the Chiefs quarterback. Well, you know, another guy's got a cannon. Mark, your boys, your team, the Bills. Oh, yeah. They got this young kid, Josh Allen. He could heave it. Uh, anyway, speaking... Uh, Not always to the right person, but... <laughs> from Western New York, he was honored at a charity event for athletic and phil- philanthropic achievements. Nailed it. Uh, Mahomes acknowledged an off-season Twitter challenge from Josh Allen to see who could toss the biggest bomb. Josh is a great dude, but no one that I've known has been able to throw a ball farther than me, Mahomes said. Via the Batavia Daily News, I've never seen Josh throw in person, but maybe next offseason we can set something up to see who could throw the old Pittskin further. I would be careful about this offseason. Yeah, why not? Why next offseason? Feels like you're dodging. Maybe There's it's plenty like, of time left to get that done. Maybe logistically, he want, Mahomes is a type of guy that thinks big picture, above the treetops, as they say, in the Corpo offices here. And he wants to make sure he's got an arena. He can get the promotion out there. They could move tickets, merch, all those things. I mean, it still feels like you've got a solid four months. To right. You're, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, we should go out to dinner sometime. And you're like... Well, wait, you're you're here. You're in town for a month right now. Uh, like, should we make play? Oh, yeah, we should do yeah, it yeah, sometime. Yeah. We'll be in touch. And then two years <laughs> later, we see each other again. Um, all right. That's what's happening in the news. Let's get to the mailbag, because, again, we, uh, another tease. We have, unfortunately, some issues we have to work out with the shield and, and some behind the scenes um, a problem that mm-hmm. came up on Wednesday night. So we're going to get to that. But let's first hit the mailbag. Our great listeners of the Around the NFL podcast, uh, who we love, uh, sent in a bunch of questions. So I'm going to go through some of them right now, starting with Neil uh, underscore GC. Which team do you think has the best roster pre-draft going into the season? Who's got the best roster right now? If you had hmm. to pick. Chiefs? No, not on defense. Rams? Colts? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think I'd go Eagles. I've been kind of banging that drum. Chiefs would be close. Chiefs? I know it's like not really that great of a defensive roster, but Patrick Mahomes and just the talent on offense is enough for me. Our boy Neil Dutton asks, what other team uniforms would you and the heroes change other than the Browns pending and the Bucks blatantly oh, obvious? That's, that is easy for me. The uniform, and it is no diss on a division rival, the Cincinnati Bengals uniform to me is an, has been an eyesore for a thousand years. Hmm. 
I would go the Patriots. I'm not. I haven't been a fan. I guess it makes locked really? in though. You have too much glory with these uniforms to go back to Pat Patriots. I think they'll they'll switch it. Yeah, once Brady retires, but it kind of doesn't make sense until then. What about you? I don't Kinda hate like a lot the, of them. I, a lot of them are good. I, one of the first players I liked, uh, and it was pre-Jets, was uh, Boomer Esiason. And I, and I really loved that Bengals team in the late 80s. And I always I actually liked the stripes. Uh, the Jaguars, they're fixing their helmets, too, I believe. I think they've already done it. So they got rid of the two-tone. Yeah, they did. Two-tone, uh, We're a season and, plus into that. Yeah, uh, so I think uh, I'm all right. Like I said, I don't, I don't care as much about I used to, like, when I was a teenager, it meant a lot to me. It doesn't get me hung up. The Rams, they, they don't – do they still have the mismatched helmet with the jersey? I don't like that. that. The, to, the, to the blue tone that's a little off, not a fan of that. Yeah, I think they got to fix that. All right, here we go. Uh, Joey Je- – uh, excuse me, Jess Gatto writes, have you ever skipped work for a massage or plan to in the future? This one's for Erica. <laughs> I have. You have? Yeah, I love getting massages. Yeah? It's nice. I've only gotten one massage, and it was on my uh, honeymoon – same thing. That's so funny. I was just like, well, I guess if you're going to do it, now, hey, now's the time. And I enjoyed it, but that was the only time, like, you know, it really came up. I had one ever, and it was with my wife where you have, like, a stu- like students are learning how to do it. Mm. So it's, like, a cut rate, like, $10 massage. It was fine, but I don't need to, like... That's It's a funny thing to think about. She, Simone's just like, hey, Mark, I've got, like, a Groupon, two-for-one massages, 10 bucks at the old, uh, you know, we Charlie's I think we were uh, walking by, like, massage a massage shack. school or something. It's a bit of a roll of the dice. What, how much damage can they do? But it's kind of like when... Well, they, it's not like that. You get a haircut. Fir- it's not their first. Exactly. It's not their first week on the job, though. They've learned the trade, in theory, and they're just about to become set apart as their own. Guys That's- are weird with massages, though. They don't, like, you know... I I tried to bring my brother to a massage place and he yeah. was like he was like I don't want like another dude like rubbing my back and yeah. I was like okay then I would get yeah. a woman I, you know I, I, pro- I, he probably I has some problem ask with, for a but, woman with, you know I would ask for a woman myself in fact I did for my honeymoon massage it was a big burly woman the German <laughs> well they need to be able using those elbows and getting mm-hmm. in the it's so soothing it's out. really good yeah. for your health too and your and your muscles I I try to get one of I think it just month. seems like. It's not so much I I would I love the actual act of a massage, but just like paying it just paying money for that level of like it seems so indulgent. Not that I don't indulge in other things, but it just seems wild. What do you indulge in? What do you pay money for? <laughs> food. It spend way too much money on food. food. Uh this from uh, our old friend T M R Troopers. Uh to replace the Around the AAF podcast. Can you do a Greg likes rap spinoff instead? I like that. <laughs> This is the rap that we're playing, the rapidy rap. What's happening here? I don't think I'd be a panelist on this show. I mean, I would break it out open, you know, more than just rap. Uh, yeah, you do have a, uh, a larger palette than we, perhaps we were suggested just, on this. Yeah, program. we were just texting about the great new Jenny Lewis album yes. last night, Dan. Great stuff. Love that. Uh, what's it called? Down the line. On the line. On the line. This is this is like the music from White Men Can't Jump during all the like <laughs> two on two games. From <laughs> uh, Josh McKinney, will the heroes be coming to Nashville for the draft? If so, any plans? We wanted to, but it was one of those things. They actually, the Shadow League figures have done a good job uh, recently sending us to events, so we can't complain. Uh, but for whatever reason, and we haven't done it for a few years, the draft we kind of 
circled Nashville as something we wanted to go to potentially, but it just didn't take off. Well, also, Wes has – we have a bachelor party event for Wes, and then, like, weeks later, the wedding. And so, to, I don't know if Wes would I mean, Wes is gone, in go. fact, right now right. for a, a wedding-related event back Man, in Cincinnati, is, I think. Paramore's got him got active. whole thing. Yeah. She has it all on lock. And Wes – and this is the thing about Wes – Three years ago, would you ever imagine Wes just being led around like uh, no, I think we should Siegfried pro- and Roy We could Roy probably find sound bites, sound bites where he would be like, I'm not going anyway. I'm just going to get married in my backyard. No, but well, the, se- the no, second he was with the Paramore, this all seemed... Well, of course, as soon away. as the actual person you're getting married to gets involved, the rules change exactly. very quickly. Prague Power asks, shouldn't you guys have learned by now not to write off the Patriots before the season starts? AFC East champs nine times in a row should tell you not to run with the, quote, changing of the guard narrative, yet you can't seem to help yourself to run with it. That is certainly fair. And, uh, yeah, there is a very good chance the Patriots go 12-4 and and win their division by three games. I am not ruling that out, but it is absolutely also fair in 2019 with what's going on around that organization to wonder if we are coming near the end. That's okay, too. I don't write what we do out. for a living. Well, it's funny because the, the the bar is so high now after eight straight buys. Or is it nine? So in, in nine straight AFC championships or eight straight AFC championship, nine straight. It's like if they went ten and six or eleven and five and were the were the five seed, but some NFC, you know, some other AFC team. It's like that would be seen as somehow like the run is over. But the bar was high after four straight buys. Sure, they don't seem to care. Uh, this is a good one. In honor of Operation Pink Pony, this is from Connor LaPalme. Uh, what is your favorite NFL or any sport conspiracy theory? Now, in the realm of sports, I have a few, I, and I'll throw them out there. In the NFL, um, it's a popular one. This one doesn't do much for me, but I'll throw it out for the purposes of this exercise. The Superdome power out- outage at Super Bowl 47. The Ravens and Terrell Suggs and I believe Ray Lewis are both in vocal that the NFL and specifically Roger Goodell cut the lights because that game was turning into a blowout. And of course, Colin Kaepernick and the Niners launched a furious comeback as soon as the lights came back on. And my memory of that was, uh, that was our second Super Bowl, Mark? Yes. Yes. Um, you um, were kind enough to hand over one of your Super Bowl tickets so Keith could my dad could attend the game he went with Simone they sat together yep she's a Niners fan too for the game and uh, I remember when the lights went down and the air conditioning cut and we were way up in the top the number one thing that entered my mind is oh I brought my dad to the Super Bowl and now we're being and, attacked and, and by I, ISIS is here or someone it, looked, yeah. it felt like a total terrorist attack uh, glad it wasn't but it felt like one I'm with you that I don't like the the best um, conspiracy theory stuff that I know I feel like we can't say on this show. What do you mean? I mean, you're big into conspiracy. We're on, the op- if it's we're on the opposite end of that. Generally, I'm anti-all conspiracy theories and you're pro. I'm not pro. I'm pro one or two, not all. I, that's, I'm, that's I'm more anti like the way it's framed sometimes. Like my least favorite uh, NFL related conspiracy theory is whenever the Pete Carroll like 9-11 truther stuff comes up. And it's always framed as like, hey, I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking the questions. But he's <laughs> like, no, no, it's been proved. Like asking the question is saying okay, something. N- that's not a football conspiracy, but just talking yes, about the, a football player talking about a conspiracy. Yeah. Um, two two. <laughs> NBA ones I love is that, and this actually came up coincidentally on Wednesday show, Michael Jordan, 
David Stern forced him into a one-year hiatus because of his gambling uh, issues, uh, which led to him playing minor league baseball. Patrick Ewing, uh, the David Stern again, and the NBA rigging the 1985 lottery with a cold envelope uh, to give the Knicks the number one overall pick and make them relevant again. But my favorite sports conspiracy theory, and I've heard this for years and it popped up, and we could talk about it because both of the main people connected to it, well, two of the three, have addressed it publicly, was that in 1997, Cal Ripken Jr., who was still um, in the, still had his consecutive game streak going. Maybe it was before 97, because I think he said it in 95. But uh, the theory is, or the conspiracy is, that they canceled an Orioles game uh, blaming a, a, an electrical lights malfunction oh. because Cal skipped out of the clubhouse because he found out that Kevin Costner had been in intimate relations with Cal's wife, or he'd caught them in bed together, and he wasn't going to the game. He wasn't going to play. That is one so of the, the best Orioles ones out there. Canceled the game. Kevin, I, you, I believed it until the Costner part of it. That didn't seem Costner is the guy that Cal caught with his wife, and um, both sides, Cal and Costner, have refuted this. But I love it. Juicy. The electrical part I could buy into, that they would cancel it for some reason for Cal. Well, I I lived in that area back then and went to Orioles, plenty of Orioles games. Remember hearing that? Well, I didn't hear that then, but during that run, I could imagine them cutting the lights because it was the biggest thing going at all, and that and that that city was like enamored. By I the remember that is one of the sports moments you remember where you were. I was in the bag shop at the uh, Hamden Country Club watching watching uh, people's golf clubs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> with the TV on in the background. All right, there you go. That's the mailbag, uh, Ricky. Before we get to our last matter of business regarding the Shield, uh, we haven't uh, ducked into your DM situation in a while. What's going on over there? Oh, let's check it out. That's right. Right? Such a good one. I got one from Trick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> His name is Trick. Uh-oh. Trick. Not a good one, sign. two, one, three. And it says, listen, you're cute. There's no getting around it. So, I don't know if you like country music, but I was thinking maybe one of these days we could drive out to a field, crank up some tunes, smoke a few macanudos? I don't even know what the hell that is. Macanudos? Macanudos? I don't know. Maybe even toss a disc around. And then it's like pig Latin, I think. Utwe, ude, uye, inkthe? Translate it, Mark. Uh, What do you think? Utwe... Uh, what do you say? Uh, what's A M P A Y? Either way, it's a strange combination a of uh, things. I think cigar smoking. Uh, is that a reference to marijuana smoking? I don't know. I don't no, know. Macanudo is a type of cigar, isn't it? it is, That's even stranger. Nobody likes the classy. Uh, and then throw a disc around. I mean, what are we? Uh, yeah. What is this? Dazed and confused? This get, guy get, sounds like a major I, stoner to me. Like yeah. he might actually be um, harmless, but I wouldn't. Just in case, I would not meet Go him. Go to a field. I will not meet him. <laughs> maybe not. A, yeah. Maybe not. No. Yeah. I mean, there's a pretty decent chance you would end up as like part of the mulch in the field if you go <laughs> meet him. I'm, I'm looking at this guy. Recycled like, I don't, compost. I don't think so I don't. Doesn't have a killer vibe. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. They are, according according to their website, they are iconic premium cigars. Nice. Okay. Well, at least high Strange class. move, though. Strange move. All right. Good good trip in the DMs. 
listen, you know, the listeners, they have a, they fall hard for the producer. And it's just part of life. What can I say? Yeah, well, that's something you're used to, I'm sure. All right, before we go. All right, so here's the bad news about the Shield. Yes, we won uh, some sore bodies, uh, some muscles, and Erica's swinging her prosthetic leg out of the car, and that's hard to do for her right now. But um, we won. The bad news is that our catcher, our part-time catcher, she kind of platoons with uh, the Paramore, in fact, behind the plate. Uh, Her name is Brassie. I think she's maybe been on the show once, so we've talked about her a few times. Uh, She was not at the game. In fact, for a 9 p.m. game, she she overslept. And (laughs) and internally, uh, it was not something we were happy about. We had enough girls, so we were lucky that it did not come back to haunt us because in co-ed softball, the battle to have enough girls is one of the biggest challenges you face all season. Uh, so we, we were able to survive, but it doesn't make it any less irresponsible uh, and frankly disrespectful to the team, Ricky, as a new girl. I know you don't, as a rookie, you don't get to say as much. Uh, you kind of just have to, you know, earn your stripes. But I'm sure you look at it and you're like, this this woman, Brassie, is, has two titles and this is how she opens up our comeback season? Yeah. Stunning, right? Yeah. Lost I mean, it's also not stunning. <laughs> so, I mean, there's been a track record here of red flags and incidents over the years. It's, it's fair. Some so, off-field problems. So on Wednesday's show, I told you that um, the Shield was in, in negotiations to bring Mark Sessler back aboard in um, a front office role. Uh, hand, he handles discipline. He's done it in the past. And uh, Mark is kind enough to agree to step in. Uh, and handle this matter involving Brassy because you got to cut this cancer out. It's not a good way to start the season. So, Mark, um, would you be okay if we got um, Brassy on the phone and you could let her know what her punishment is? Yes, because it's simply team business. Okay, let's let's get her on the line. This is Ryan. Hey, Ryan, uh, can I speak with Shona, please? Uh, she actually just left. Mm. So she's not around when you need her. That's, that's par for the course. All right, we'll try, we'll try another number. Thank you. Okay. Let's, uh, try her cell. Brassy speaking. Hey, Brassy, what's up? Uh, Skip here. I am going to pass you over to Mark Sessler. He is the Shield's human so- human resources coordinator. Um, uh, this is a serious issue, and I appreciate you to treat it as that. Yeah, yeah. This, this should be addressed. I need to explain myself. Mr. Sessler. Okay, hold on. Number one, the tone off the bat um, is concerning. Uh, there was an incident that I've learned about this morning. Uh, at the inaugural kickoff uh, game for the Shield, two-time defending champions. Game kicks off at 9 o'clock. I want to just I want to present you with the information that I have, that you uh, texted a member of our team, uh, Brooke, essentially saying, OMG, I just woke up. The game, uh, by the way, first pitch at 9 p.m., I'm going to be banned from the Shield. And she writes back and says, you know, five girls at this point, you should be okay. And at that stage... She, telling you just hurry that you're going to get here. You text back many, many minutes later, f- about an hour later, saying, I fell back asleep. 
In your own words, train wreck. Did you all have enough girls? I feel so bad. Brassy. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. You're, you're, you will have a moment to speak. Did I you want, like not out in a heroin what is house? Happening I'll here. stay out of this. It, I want to tell you, number one, what is, present your case very quickly, and I suggest to make it very quick. I was tired, and I just must have turned my alarm off. I mean, I had, I had my clothes on, bag ready. I just didn't wake up. The thing that bothers all of us is that you are a two-time member of this team. You've been part of two championship efforts. You had a disastrous Cinco de Mayo episode uh, in the first season with the team where you showed up. I would just say th- not three sheets to, w- to the win would be generous. The fact that you are a veteran on this team, a leader, we have younger people. Our producer, Erica, is on the team for the first time. That she has to deal with this from veterans. That the younger players have to suddenly become leaders because our leaders are asleep in their beds and falling asleep twice after the first pitch. Brassy, present your case very quickly. You have one last chance. We have, a, we have something else to tell you. I apologize. I was asleep at the wheel. I immediately knew when I woke up I was going to hear it. So I've been bracing myself for punishment, as I know what's coming. We do not need on this team some sort of low-level, ladder-stage, Daryl Strawberry-type figure. You are suspended for two games, and uh, I can throw it over to the manager at this point, Dan Hansis. There is a possibility to appeal that down to one, but I see nothing based on your reactions or your actions that we need to take this down to one game. Dan. I, I don't feel comfortable having any further conversation on this. It's, I know our HR representative is here, uh, but Brassy, I, I, you know I love you, but I think also this punishment is fair. Work on your sleep schedule, please. Well, can we make those two games while I'm on vacation? No, they are effective immediately. This is not on your terms. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a good weekend, Brassy. Thanks. It had to be done. And um, I don't like doing that. I mean, we just suspended Ely a couple of years ago, and that wasn't easy, and this wasn't easy either. And hopefully she'll learn from this and grow. Greg, uh, uh, the Bronx Zoo is in town right now. I mean, I'm a little more worried about kind of like the underlying off-the-field issues that are contributing to this. I'm worried about her as a person. Yeah, more important than what's going on on the field. Very true. All right, we'll be back. Um, We'll be back next week. Two shows next week, Monday, Thursday. We'll do a Wednesday uh, Twitter show, of course. Two shows the following week, Monday, Thursday, Twitter show uh, as well. And then draft week hits, and we'll be back three shows, including uh, Thursday night right after the draft doing a show, and then Saturday night after round seven. So check all that stuff out. Uh, follow us uh, on, um, on Twitter, of course, but also leave comments and reviews and stars. Uh, in iTunes and also the Around the NFL subreddit, which is growing and growing and growing. Love you guys. We love you. Have a great weekend. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the glass. Had to be done, Mark. Had to. Had to be done. Deal Monday. You did not get enough credit for your Baydar comment. Like, that was Thank so you. good. What was I that? Missed. Well, because was they like, don't like it's anything. It's not that... on my 
my green, green radar. Green, like bay radar. Green bay radar. Oh, I thought no, it, it just like went bay. over our head. And both of you guys were like, I yeah, I'll be beautiful. I kind of missed it. Sorry, buddy. It's okay. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.